We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Hey folks, welcome back to the e-commerce leader, the place to be for those who want to be the best e-commerce leader they can be. Today we're talking about a very sort of meat and potatoes standard topic, which nevertheless bears some deep looking into which is how to get wonderful pictures for Amazon listings or Shopify images that will you know product images specifically that will really drive sales and profitably so as well and today we're going to continue with our list of 10 basic steps to get this right so with no further ado let's plunge into the content I hope you enjoy the show so number six is create a clear brief. That's right. Yes. Yeah? Sorry. I'm not okay. communicating very clearly. Yeah. Number six, create a clear brief. Yeah. Which means really, I would say it's, it's basically a, a table which mm-hmm. has, you know, shot numbers over your, on Amazon, mm-hmm. you probably have one to nine or one to 10 and then some alternative shots to keep it fresh or to experiment with. And then you need to be very clear, you know, what mm-hmm. are you trying to get across? So tell your photographer, you know, brief them properly. What, what are you trying to get across? What's the benefit? What's the result yeah. that using this product will do? What feature are you trying to showcase? And then try and describe how you want them to photograph it and give them an example, maybe a scribbled sort of back of mm-hmm. a napkin sketch, maybe an example from a competitor, but, you know, write on it with sketch or whatever. So try and communicate as clearly as you can with words and visual examples, what is you want them to do. I think that's such a great, great idea. So that brief would include all of the things you've collected in step one through five, who you're going after, uh, all the types of shots. Yep. All of that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, the more they are a commercially minded photographer who gets what their role is as part of marketing a product, as part of a commercial profit making exercise, Mm -hmm. the more they'll get this, the the more you have to educate them about this, then, you know, you, you may save money for what you lose on the swings you gain on the roundabouts, as we say here. So you may spend a hundred bucks instead of 500 bucks on somebody who's quite good with lighting and, and beautiful photos but doesn't understand marketing but you're gonna have to spend a lot of time holding their hand and really mm-hmm. making sure they understand in my experience if you hire somebody cheap who doesn't have experience you just have to the first round of f- photography you just look at it and think that has nothing to do with what i asked and then you have to go back round and revise yeah. it so yeah. it's normally false economy to go too cheap with this stuff i, I would prefer somebody with uh you know mm-hmm. good experience in this game myself mm-hmm. yeah okay great i love this this is great so that that really sets the tone for what you end up, you know, getting through the photography process. All right. What's, what's step number seven? Step number seven is really revise and clarify the brief probably before you even get it near the photographer. So you think it starts off as like an internal document, really. Okay. And you can discuss it with your team or maybe a coach if you're working with one. In the end, you're going to need to come down, I think, to four types of image for this kind of work. Okay. Uh, the first was an on-white or main image, which is designed to be shown in the Amazon search results. You probably would use that in your catalog in a Shopify store as well. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. one is detailed product shots. We are trying to put across very specific features. Third one is infographics, which depending on how technical your product is, you may need to kind of do little diagrams. You know, if you're doing mm-hmm. moisture wicking mm-hmm. fabric to show the exact uh, texture of the fabric or something like that. And then a very neglected one, but I think is really important is lifestyle shots which is showing the product in a context being used by human beings Mm -hmm. and a lack of human beings always distresses me when i see product detail pages because that that is not going to engage your your potential buyer i think yeah no this is great so so the four are an on white or Mm -hmm. you know 
product image. And then the second one is a detailed product shot. Or, yeah, I suppose or, you we know, should a, say a detailed product feature shot, you know, that feature shows shots. Very, sure. Yeah. yeah. And then infographics, I think there's, you know, to describe that a bit is uh, product feature shots that have graphic art on top of them. It's infographic in my mind is sort of the old school Pinterest listicle type item that has sort of cartoony vibes. This is not that. This is more of uh, a graphic art treated photo that really calls out specific elements of the features or benefits and that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I would say you might even substitute if it's clearer and again, clarity is everything. Mm -hmm. If it's clearer, you might even do a little drawn diagram Mm -hmm. in some cases. Uh, Just depends what communicates better. So, and that might mean you need the services of a graphic artist Mm -hmm. rather than photographer. I mean, that's, that's normally going to be part of the mix sooner or later. Yeah. I love the, some, sometimes those line drawing type images that have, you know, clear, they, they add clarity to the, in the customer's mind in terms of what, how the product looks or works. Yeah. So that's fantastic. And then lifestyle shots or editorial, that's really the uh, type of photography that falls into more the domain of use, usefulness on Shopify, mm-hmm. because those are the images that turn into your, you know, your homepage top of site, you know, image or slider and your, you know, secondary images on your site for many uses and collections, images and that kind of thing. So the lifestyle, other people call it editorial photography, but those are the, the, you know, images that are, um, Harder to get because they require models or humans, yes. And so that's that's a a part of the process that is can be a trick for people Mm -hmm. who don't have any any uh, you know kind of uh, background in getting professional photography done. And I you know I will just say on this this shot list what you've 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 mentioned here for number seven, and I suppose it goes right into your point point number eight, which I'll just call out, which is work with your photographer. This is a step that I think can be incredibly challenging for people who don't have core trade skill inside their business. I met with someone yesterday who as a prospective coaching client and her commentary was, well, my background is uh, wedding photography. And I was like, oh, that's why your website looks so amazing. That's why your product shots look so amazing. And, Mm. you know, it is just an unfair advantage if you have this technical trade skill inside your company, whether it's your spouse or you you yourself have a professional background in photography, you really can go through this list of four things with an elegance and a speed that is an unfair advantage. And I'll just point that, point that out. I mean, Cinnamon, my wife, before we started our business, worked as a family photographer for a year. She ended up ultimately hating that work as a business but really enjoying the photography components of it. She just didn't want to sell photos. She didn't want to coordinate with schedules. You know, it was all the business parts of it that kind of were horrible, but Mm -hmm. she liked the photography components of it. And so when we brought that to the e-commerce party, it made our life so much easier. Yeah, I can't imagine, to be honest, doing e-commerce without photography trade skills inside our business. But I work with clients that have to do that. And I just see the the slowness and the the awkwardness of it. So I, I just want to point out that reality that, you know, if you're if you're working through this process without that trade skill inside your company, you do have a harder uh, row to hoe. But if you actually have that trade skill and you're not using it really, really effectively, or maybe you didn't see a lot of value in it, then obviously there's huge opportunity there for you to to do well. Yeah. 
you're absolutely right. I guess it's a bit like somebody, the difference, you know, I, I did have uh, a client who literally made his first rounds of products of some kind of face cream at his kitchen table. And, you know, if you want to in- innovate, you have a word with the factory manager, which is you, and then you go and do it. And then it's very <laughs> quick and easy, right? Yeah. Most of us don't have that luxury. We sure. have stuff made by somebody else. And you and yeah. cinnamon, someone in has production team in, in a, a very high level. And that does simplify everything. You're hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. Working yeah. with a photographer, like working with a with a manufacturer, I was about to say working with a supplier, as we normally call it in the Amazon game, but it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Suppliers are people who make stuff for you. It yeah. is an art, and it, and is really the art of management. You you are forced to develop from learning the trade skill of being the mm-hmm. technician. Are you how do I make good photography to the management position in the, in mm-hmm. the sort of three part? What's the thing? The E revisited kind of levels, right? Technician, manager, entrepreneur. Yeah. You're forced to jump into managerial role quite mm-hmm. often when you don't know what you're doing. And, you just have to get better over time at that. And you, I would say pick carefully. If you pick somebody with commercial experience, that's good. In other words, somebody who knows that they are doing, as you said, for example, one photo communicating one simple point, not beautiful, yeah. but meaningless. And commercial experience is good. Ecom is better. Yeah. And then if you are wanting somebody to create some editorial photography for a Shopify site or something to write a product detail page for Amazon, mm-hmm. the style mm-hmm. is different. And, you, you know, if, if they are Amazon or, or Shopify specific, then they will know if they're doing Amazon shots, just how kind of in your face they have to be. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. something I would put on a website as editorial shots. They're certainly not something I would transfer mm-hmm. to a different country, even like the German star marketing would be different from, from Amazon. So if you've got somebody who knows Amazon USA specifically, then they're going to be so much easier to work with if you're trying to sell on Amazon USA than somebody who's great at product shots for Germans in Shopify, for example. Uh, that's how specific it can get. So the more they understand your world, the less explaining you have to do. And that's that's valuable. Yeah, I would take it, take it even a step beyond that, I think. And I would say that the photography in your business is a long-term requirement. And you should approach this trade skill as building a trusted relationship with someone I would propose local to you mm-hmm. that you could work with and not... And think of it like how you would work with a lawyer or a CPA or, uh, you know, any other uh, trades person in your local area in support of your company. I would be relational. I I, I got great. I I got exposure to this actually, as it happens from going on trips to Africa with a professional commercial photographer. His name is Mark Carota. He shoots for uh, Lululemon and he shot for a ton of big brands. And uh, in California, and he went on some trips with me to Africa when I wanted to learn how to do photography. And there he was with his incredibly expensive gear and his just master work of, you know, knowing how to frame shots and just technically make the camera work in very challenging situations. And going with him on multiple trips, what I realized, of course, is, you know, I mean, it's, it's friendship building, it's relationship building, it's, you want to work effectively with people. And so I would just challenge people who are listening to this show, if you're not, if you don't have technical photography competence in your own team, and you want to add it, do not treat these people like a commodity widget seller that you can order around. Do, do not do that. These are artists and they're frequently absolutely amazing at their craft. And, and to work with them for the long term, you need to treat them with a real relational, you know, approach and, and respect. So I guess working with photographers, that step number eight to me yeah. really is all about the art of, of, of relationship building and 
for your long-term business benefit. You're so right. Actually, weirdly enough, I've in the last, so recently doing some work on behalf of clients because events sometimes I, I mostly consult and tell people what to do, but sometimes I say, you know what, be easier if you just let me do this mm -hmm. or I'll keep you informed and, and I'll do it, but I'll kind of educate you on the way. So I've worked with people who are sort of outsourced people in, in various parts of the world. Pakistan was the last mm -hmm. time I tried somebody doing some Photoshop work, by the way, it's super hard to make things look good with Photoshop work. I'm not saying you mm -hmm. should never do it if you haven't got the budget, but it's much better to hire a model so much easier. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, but also the, the other person I've worked with recently is a, uh, used to be an old flat mother of mine. So we've known each other for 12, 13 years. Mm -hmm. I've, I've even assisted him on some photo shoots driving the van while he did some shots out of the back. It was great fun. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, to that point, the more you understand each other, the more they understand your world, yeah. the better it's going to be. Even so, uh, to your point about them being artistic types, they are artistic types for all that. And I should know as, as a yeah. musician, married to musician, yeah. they have a certain way you have to handle them. They have mm -hmm. certain pride. Mm -hmm. There's all, they also appreciate, you know, praise as do I, but also you have to accept it's a creative, slightly messy process. Sometimes you have to say to a mm -hmm. really good photographer, who's aiming for like a nine or 10 out of 10 and mm -hmm. an eight out of 10 is realistically what the product is worth spending on. You have mm -hmm. to say sometimes, you know, this looks amazing, my friend. We just need to get this done on the budget by Friday. Can we just kind of compromise? And, and managing that uh, and asking for compromise from a perfectionist is, is a difficult thing. And you have mm -hmm. to be able to manage that person as well. So, yes, to, to your point, I absolutely agree. Building a long-term relationship, treat them with respect, yeah. learn their world. Uh, all of those things are absolutely right. Yeah. And then I would just say, finally, as a as a commentary, when when working with a contractor in that way. You do want to be thinking about your long-term business needs and your team. And if you have a business that is product photography intensive, then you do want to think about adding somebody with that technical trade skill to your team so that they're literally on your staff. Now, you know, some businesses is like, I've got three products. I just sell, you know, sell them everywhere that <laughs> you don't need a professional photographer on your team. Other businesses are like, you know, we launch a new product, you know, every day, our website for our work at Pixie Fair, we have a publishing schedule that's four a day. That's our, our cap for products, no four new products a day. Uh, and so we don't always do that every day, but that's, that's the velocity with which we can in our system do new product releases. That's a ton of photography. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, so if you're in that kind of system where it's really, you know, intensive, then, you know, you want to think through how your staffing plan ultimately accommodates having somebody on your, it'll just make your life so much faster, so much easier. And you'll find your way, you know, in terms of there, I'm sure there's a middle ground between, you know, three products versus 3000. Yeah, but there certainly is. Yeah. I mean, I know the odd business, not many because it's so costly, but with physical products, but they, they were launching about 60 new products a quarter and you yeah. definitely want to have a production line yeah. uh, photographer there. I mean, production line in the broader mm -hmm. sense that you can't just whack them out on a white mm -hmm. background. I mean, you can, but you won't get mm -hmm. a good result in modern Amazon and, yeah. and probably not Shopify world either. You know? Yeah. Uh, just you one final yeah, one final example on this one that's just kind of fun. I don't know if uh, our listeners will be familiar with a brand called Zulily, but they're a billion-dollar e-commerce operator in the Seattle area. They were launched and then sold to QVC, a home shopping network company. And Cinnamon and I did work with, did a deal with them, you know, where we listed our products and sold through them. And we went to their headquarters, which is in the old headquarters building of Starbucks. So I mean, that kind of gives you this, you know, size and scope and scale of this company. And so when we walked in, we saw on the first floor, they had literally just a huge waiting room of kids and moms. And you could tell they were all waiting to be 
uh, in photo shoots. Like they were, they were the models waiting. And then we walked in and they literally had a huge, huge room, like, you know, whole floor of a building that was just set up with booths for photographers. And their whole first floor was all their photography. They basically publish a, a catalog every day of new products and new images. And, and that's kind of what their whole business is like. And so then you go up to the second story and the second story was all um, people on computers doing the digital editing and processing and, you know, compilation of the, you know, the daily, you know, email and, and how they do their, you know, their marketing. But it was really fascinating. You know, it was like, this is like industrial strength, commercial photography. Like, it was just fascinating to watch. So, that was, it was a That's fun memory, you know. So. In the end, if you're going to scale any business, you have to start off and they say nail it and then scale it. I think for most of us, we try and scale stuff, which coming back to the original point, people try and pull mm -hmm. the traffic lever because that feels like a way to scale things. And it yeah. is if what you're scaling is working, but you can scale stuff like that way. You definitely will scale something, but what you normally scale is losses if you don't know what you're doing. So yeah. the point of what you're saying, uh, that is the ultimate aim. I think you're right. Get some on staff who mm -hmm. understands mm -hmm. photography, understands you and your company very, very deeply, has got the brand values, has got the style. Mm -hmm. They can then train other people. And yeah, you want to be able to mass produce it. But I think the first thing is have a rigorous process, which I'm trying to just communicate the flavor yep. of. This is obviously yep. just a sort of overview before you worry about scaling it. Otherwise, you're yeah. just mass mass produce rubbish and i've seen people try and do that as well they put some mm -hmm. 10 20 products uh, a quarter out but they're horrible bad yep. choice uh, they're from alibaba so anyone could copy them and they're on white mm -hmm. which just means you're going to mass produce sales for amazon they'll get their commission and you will make very yep. little profit if any so yep. yeah well let's it, uh, scale it. yeah i love that nail it and scale it let's bring this home for our listeners so what's point number nine and ten so point number nine of 10 is add punchy short text benefit driven. So this comes back to okay. the point that yeah. I really am a words based person. So I start with that, but I'm not the only person that thinks if you have to choose, you know, words don't trump image marketing with products. That's not mm -hmm. true, but they help you clarify concepts. And if you're not conceptually clear, what am I communicating? Then okay. you can't get the work done. So as Perry Marshall says, image based marketers need word based marketers, but not always the other way around. Now we think we need each other. But in the end, if you are trying to get across a clear benefit, buy my product because it will do this for you, unlike mm -hmm. everybody else's products, for example, okay. yeah. then I think having the option to put, put short, clear text on is very often a smart move. Not always. If it's obvious that a woman's relaxing in a bubble bath with a glass of wine in her hand, what you're communicating is relaxing. I, you get mm -hmm. it. You probably don't have to put that on the photo. But if there is some way that it could be interpreted two three four different ways be very clear very mm -hmm. simple unfussy uh, but but focus the watcher's mind very quickly what it is you're trying to say and again yeah. this is direct response marketing it's not about beautiful branding i'm not trying to sell a mercedes-benz for twenty five thousand dollars in or fifty thousand dollars in six months time three mm -hmm. years time i'm trying to get a response now so don't be too fussy about the fact that it isn't quite as beautiful but if it's yep. more effective I think we need to just be willing to put that text on there. All right. This is a fascinating one to me. I'm going to, I'm going to just put a little bit of a different spin on this point nine. What you've just described, adding, adding punchy short text to your photo is really one step in what I would call the category, which is post-production. So the, the topic here, I think that's just one, one way in which you could manipulate a photo post-production. But when you work with a photographer in, you know, kind of ongoing process, you want to become very clear on the actual management of the photos. Mm -hmm. 
and the post-production process. What is the final photo? Where do they reside in the cloud? Ideally, you know, whatever Dropbox or when do you get access to them? Who manipulates them? What does the photographer do to them? For example, if they put them through Lightroom as their process, they'll change the color tones. And one of the considerations for e-commerce work is you want the photo to look identical identical to the actual in your hand, you know, item and post and, and photographers are usually optimized for color vibrancy and, you know, lighting and all a set of a whole set of, you know, elements to make the photo, photo look amazing. And you just need to make sure you're working with a, a product photographer who knows that your trueness in representation is the most critical factor in addition to the beauty of the photo. So yeah. those those elements and the management of the photos are, to me, all a part of step nine. And then, of course, oh, yeah. selecting 100%. and adding text over specific images, which images are best for, for example, a homepage or for a graphic uh, infographic type treatment. Those are all post-production considerations. Yeah. You just need to get real clear on, you know, who, who's, who does those, how are they handled, when are they handled, all that, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I could not agree more. And that's where most of the work, to be honest, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, I didn't mention because mm -hmm. I don't want to blow people's main brains or scare them. But I mean, sure. <laughs> Dropbox is my preferred tool because you can comment on it. And, and if yeah. your photographer is familiar with it, many of them will be. Um, yeah. yeah, you've got to have a super clear set of my own. Like, I could bore you for hours with the details of how I work with this stuff. I mean, I have air tables set up with different statuses and I have Dropbox folders for different statuses and mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. But I think clarity about the process, again, it's a management yeah. job. Your right. job as the, the marketer slash manager of the project is to move the project from inception to completion and out there actually making money for your mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. uh, or at least hopefully at least testing whether the images make money for you. And yeah, you need to be very clear. Again, when it comes to artistic type management, they will often be little bit vague or they just give you a ton of undifferentiated beautiful but undifferentiated mm -hmm. photos and you may need to go back to them and say this is lovely could you organize it into folders please and here's the folders i want and then this is the production process mm -hmm. here's the raw ones here are the ones i've starred and you yeah. know you've got to really lay that all out for people and you can expect it to be pretty messy the first couple of times in my experience as well and you've got to budget the time for that so yeah i, I absolutely agree i mean post-production's huge but the, the very simplest version of post-production is we're going to put some text on obviously mm -hmm. you've got to start on the color and the font yeah so even that has some decisions attached, but yeah, it, the post-production is huge and you just need to allow for the fact that photography is, is like a, a third or a quarter of the job. The rest of it's going back and forth. One thing which I should bring up as well, when you work with a photographer, when you engage them if they're freelance, really make sure you're in the contract. You state number one, how the production process is going to work, what you just mm -hmm. said, clarify yeah. that and how you want the folders organized, preferably and specify Dropbox if that's going to work for both of you or just agree on a cloud system. But the other one is really make sure you um, ask for two or three rounds of revision. So once they've done what they think of as the raw photography and then the first round of revisions of post-production work, you need to be able to look at it and say, yeah, this color does not match up to the products I've got in my hand. If we send mm. this to somebody, we're going to get rude reviews. Yeah. Please, can you revise that and make sure they've got a copy, by the way, of the actual physical product? Uh, to your point about color, you're, you're yeah. so right. I've had rude reviews in the past from doing my own amateur photography, mm -hmm. making it look really vibrant, and it didn't match the product. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're absolutely right. So, yeah, make sure you built in an expectation in the contract with the photographer that you will need them to revise things not once, but two or maybe three times. After three, you're probably taking the mic and you probably need to be clear that it's not realistic you're being perfectionist you need to get it to a yeah. high level and then just get it out of the door 
So that's awesome. We- okay. So what's the final point in our process here? The final point compared to all that is is very, very simple, but it's a, a critical marketing decision, which is decide in the order of the photos. Um, you should mm-hmm. have some idea of that up front, but once you have the photos, some of them just come out better than others. It's an artistic, creative thing. And sometimes you've got a really punchy photo that doesn't put across a very important point. So that's a bit of a tragedy, but you, you might put it in there somewhere. If you've got a Shopify site, that won't make a beautiful editorial photo, even though it won't drive sales of a product, for example. Mm-hmm. On Amazon, we have less room for that. But really ideally you want to put things in the order of importance so if you have a feature mm-hmm. that is unique and therefore the benefit that the people buying from you can get from you they can't really get anywhere else you absolutely got to showcase that probably in the first image after the main image and even the main image needs to be slightly focused on that if it's possible to do that without breaking terms of service and things yeah sure. and then work down in sort of descending order because you've got to assume that the majority of people will see the first image and maybe the second and most people will not scroll through all of them mm-hmm. and you've got to assume that the last photos are the least often viewed and therefore the lo- least important points get put there yeah, that rubric that you just described for de- for deciding on the order of photos, I suppose, is is a theory that you then test over time. Like, what does the customer think is the most important photo? Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. I yeah. think probably w- when you have a listing that you're trying to tune up, one of the things you would test is is the photography order. You know, if it's good photography, if it's, uh, at face value subpar, then it's obvious it needs to be replaced. But if it's all good photography then I think it is an interesting thing to test is like, what is the most appropriate order of these photos? And yeah, Mm. so that's a fun, that's a fun kind of, you know, serial test or, you know, split test, AB test that you can do, I suppose, on your listing with Splitly or whatever, but. If you've got the technology, yeah. I mean, I know you can test the main photos and they will have a massive impact. You can do that within the Amazon system. You can test price and and photos. Whether you can test the order of photos within the Amazon universe, I don't know. Is is that possible on Shopify? Is that, is that available? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do all kinds of A-B tests on on Shopify. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I guess you've got a bit more leeway there. Eventually, I imagine Amazon will start introducing it, but you can always do a sort of primitive version of the test. But Mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, to your point, and this is a very valid point, Everything is is a thesis when you start. Mm-hmm. You the, the but this is the thing. Like the more you do quality customer research, you really talk to actual customers or at least prospective customers the, and understand them, the better quality your your hypothesis is going to be. And then yes, you need to test. I mean, eventually the market will will tell you what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. So this is a fantastic list. Do you want to summarize the 10 steps for us? Yep, sure. So first thing, first and foremost, foundation, customer avatar, the PPP, the person, problem, psychological drivers. As you say, you can create a name, a little narrative about them. My hint, if you're not into imaginative stuff, talk to actual real people if you possibly can. Number two, comparison with your competition or better think about what alternatives your customer may have that aren't direct competitors. Number three, clarify the benefits, reasons why people should buy or what result will you get from using a product. And number four, then link your features with the benefits, the part of your product that delivers that result. Number five, then gather examples of of images from competitors and related brands. Uh, Also look at brands your ideal customer buys. Maybe they love buying BMWs or or Mercedes-Benz or or whatever Bentleys, in which case look at those photography and, and get some of the look and feel of that in your products. Number six, a really clear brief for your photographer. I would do this in-house and clarify it before you even hire a photographer so you don't give them really you know, unclear instructions. Number seven, revise and clarify your shot list. Four types of image on white, main images, detailed product feature in, uh, shots, infographics, and lifestyle or editorial shots. And allow for the cost of hiring a model. It's normally worth it in my experience, but you've got to look at your budget. Number eight, working with a photographer, as you said, 
absolutely agree make sure you find somebody great create a good relationship with them treat them well preferably somebody with very specific relevance in their experience and when you're when you're creating the a subset of that when you're creating the contract with them make sure you are, allow for two rounds of revisions otherwise they may feel like they've delivered the raw shots and they're done which is not good number nine um add punchy short text where appropriate so it's benefit driven and number 10 makes you think about the order of photos and as you say it's a thesis and in the end the market will tell you and you can best check that through spit testing that is fantastic <laughs> i love it man this is i think really really helpful for those who are struggling with photography and those who are ocd about it and want to tune up their process even more so i i love this topic and i just challenge everybody to obsess over your photography obsess over, you know, how you're pre presenting your uh, products and you'll receive a tremendous response and impact. And, it, you know, I guess I just, in summation, I'll just say this. It continues to amaze me how people can start from scratch and scale incredibly quickly on any e e-commerce platforms today. I mean, we literally have these examples where people are scaling to billion dollar brands, you know, on the back of e-commerce efforts really quickly. And one of the things that you see is that they just crush it with their photography. Their image marketing is on point. And that, of course, carries into their work on Instagram and, you know, Pinterest and TikTok and Facebook and all, you know, all the social media platforms and in, you know, their beautiful email marketing and on and on. And so I think this is a core trade skill for every e-commerce operation, whether you're at your kitchen table right now or whether you're a billion dollar company. And this is a great process to go through to get there. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. All right, man. As always, it's an honor. Appreciate the uh, the topic on this one. I'll just challenge everybody who's listening to feel free to subscribe to us. I just looked in Spotify, my podcast player of choice. And if you type in e-commerce with a dash between the E and the C, we're number one. Some guy named Andrew Ferris is number two. E-commerce fuel is number three. And it goes on from there. Who knew? I guess we did because we like all the time. <laughs> but if you don't use Spotify, that's cool. But if you like Apple uh, Podcast Player, go check us out there. W whatever podcast player of choice you listen to, be sure to check us out. Subscribe, like, leave us a review if you can. All of those fun things. It's an honor to be able to serve the community and to be able to put out the show. And uh, thanks, Michael, again for a great conversation. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.